Welcome to another episode of Comedy Way and Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington, or... Mookie has joined us. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham or on our ComedyWham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, ComedyWham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, and we've also got a festivals page. And of course, we're best known for our events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. Tag us on your Instagram stories and posts, and we'll share your show promo. Looking for ways to support all these resources we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, I was introduced to this comic on our isolation comedy online shows during 2020, that was ages ago, where she became a frequent uh, and one of my favorite performers. She is the producer of the Fantastic Lipstick Battle show, and I love running into her at the Cap City Comedy Club, which you might too if you, if you go uh, to, the sh- to any shows there. And if you aren't following her on Instagram, you are missing out. She's always got some fun posts out there. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Katie Felton. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Hello! Hi, welcome! Hello, podcast world! <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Oh, God, that was way too much Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) That's my favorite. It is a a very good, good show. (laughs) Show. Movie. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Katie, welcome. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. You are. So this episode, we're recording in November, but I told you that this is my birthday weekend release episode. Yes. And when it's my birthday release episode, I always want to make sure that I have tons of fun. Yes. And I knew that you could deliver. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Now the pressure's on. The pressure's on. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I... I, I'm sad that I've not yet to see Lipstick Battle in person, but I just oh. think that's such a fun show concept. Yeah. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I wanted uh, something where it wasn't only stand-up and people could showcase other parts of their personality and talent and uh, Mostly myself, yeah. uh, if we're being honest. <laughs> I love a good costume moment. Uh-huh. So I was like, how can I do uh, costumes twice a month? Yeah. And lip syncing it was. Yeah. So it's been a fun, creative thing. Um, and it's also been fun to watch people really freeze and not know what to do. I'm like, yeah, you got to prepare. I told you guys. But, you know. <laughs> It's been fun. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. So yeah, you'll have to come. We'll dig in a little bit uh, later as we kind of go through your your evolution from performer to producer. Uh, Yeah. I do have an official icebreaker question. Okay, let's hear it. It's one word to describe your past. Oh, innocence. (laughs) Oh. 
naive. <laughs> really, I don't. I don't know if anybody has has used that before. Tell me more. Um. Yeah. So I. I'm an only child, and my parents are older boomers. So I think uh, just very sheltered. Mm. And I also like grew up middle class. So I don't know. I mean, there's definitely troubles within all areas of life. But, you know, Southern California, just bebopping around. And yeah, had a very nice group of friends that were not big partiers Uh and all that kind of stuff. So it's quaint. Yeah. (laughs) So you grew up in Southern California? I did. Yes. Orange County, California. Ah, Um, Mission Viejo, home of Mark Sanchez, the butt fumbler. What? Um, (laughs) he was this quarterback that tried to catch a ball and like caught it on his butt and fumbled it. (laughs) That's what he's best known for these days. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, he's very handsome gentleman, but I'm like, hey, I guess being known for your butt isn't the worst thing in the world. Nah. (laughs) There's only fans for that. Exactly. (laughs) So growing up in Southern California, just a mere stone's throw from the big uh, Los Angeles mecca of comedy, uh, when you were growing up, was comedy something that played a role in your life? Um, yes, but more on like a local, uh, type of way. So my dad and mom lived in LA and my dad would go to the comedy store a lot in the seventies. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like Robin Williams, he would tell me about a lot and like, uh, Jim Carrey before Jim Carrey was who we know him today Mm -hmm. and all these types of characters. So I would always get secondhand stories from him about comedy um and then the Irvine improv is not is like very close to where I grew up so we would go there once I got old enough to catch shows and stuff like that but it was more of my dad is just like a goofy uh gregarious type of guy who he's always been into comedy so kind of got me into comedy but of course I was uh, too nervous and scared to really give it a try or be too crazy yeah. when I, growing up. So always had dreams of trying it, but never really thought I would kind of do it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, your story about you going to shows with your dad like hits me because I, you know, I remember the first show that I took my son to and Aww. obviously, you know, he's exposed to comedy because yeah. of all the comedy stuff that I do. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh man, is he ever going to become a stand-up? <laughs> and I'm like, oh man. <laughs> How about you stick with your initial degree plan and then yeah. that can be a hobby exactly. because it's such hard knocks. <laughs> it really is. But I feel like it's one of the best bonding things. Like if you have the same sense of humor, it bonds you so yeah. much. Yeah. Do you remember what your first show was that your dad took you to? Oh, I'm trying to think. So I went to a performing arts school in eighth grade for one year and they had like a comedy showcase for so like you could be underage and go and I think that might have been my first like comedy club experience Mm. definitely listened to comedy albums in the car and stuff but yeah that was funny because 
they booked people and you know comedians don't really read the fine print so uh-huh. one of the comedians showed up and was like there's children in the audience <laughs> i didn't know that and but it was fun and then another one i vividly remember i think i must have just turned 18 is going to see angela johnson mm. um and that was with friends but yeah that sticks out yeah a lot too yeah she comes through here every once in a while i love her she's still a favorite of mine huh that's so cool so when you graduated high school what did you do um i was like i need to get out of orange county Mm. we call it the orange bubble Uh, so I went to college in Flagstaff, Arizona at Northern Arizona University, go Lumberjacks. (laughs) Um, I knew going into college, I wanted to get my degree in advertising and I thought that would kind of be my comedy avenue. Like think of fun, creative, uh, ad slogans and that kind of thing. Um, I did that. And then moved home for a year once I graduated college and was like, okay, I need to, again, get out Mm. of this bubble. Um, And it was, so I had applied for Peace Corps, but was just kind of waiting to hear from that. And while that was happening, my cousin uh, had a friend who had an apartment that was opening up in New York, and she knew that. New York was something that interested me. So it was mm. like, do you want to move in with my friend? And I was like, heck yes, I do. So then it just kind of fell into place where I was like, okay, now's my time. I'm moving to New York. So ah. yeah. And then I lived in New York for two years, uh, did that whole grind. I think I was too depressed and poor to really think about mm. comedy at the time for in New York, even though that's like also a comedy mecca um and then was like okay i need something where people are a little bit nicer and i can have money to live my life um so austin i had some friends that lived here and they were like it's a a small city but it's you know at least a city yeah and i was like yeah i'm down so then i just i moved to austin and haven't looked back since okay all right there's a lot of little spots i'm gonna ask questions about yeah all right so when you went back home and you were starting to get sick of living in your oc bubble yes but you have la there which is like i think one of the meccas of advertising were you were you working in in advertising while you were waiting for the Peace Corps thing? Yeah. Well, I was working in marketing. Okay. And I moved to New York with the intent to get into advertising. Okay. Um, it definitely is like a who you know type of business, hmm. which I kind of anticipated. But again, my naivete was like, I'll prove myself yeah. type of thing. Um. And it didn't work out, but in retrospect, I think it's, it worked out the best because the long hours and just like being on call all the time, my roommate worked for a PR agency. Mm -hmm. So not exactly the same, but just agency life. I saw all she went through and I was like, yeah, maybe Mm. this wasn't for me necessarily, but still have a deep love for advertising. And I think like 
and if I could do life over again, I would maybe try a little harder for mm. it, but I, it all worked out for the best. Yes. Well, so you're, you're digging yourself for maybe trying harder if you could redo yeah. that part of, of your, your life. But I mean, you can s- slap me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I have perceived your personality as like a very soft personality. Yeah. Like you're not a... I'm going to just crawl over and, and stomp on, on everybody else just to get my, you yes. know, my thing. So going, A, going into advertising where I do sit, I mean, I watched, I watched Blackish. So I got, you know, a real <laughs> true glimpse into the advertising world, right? Yes. I mean, if you've watched, <laughs> that's all how it really is, yes, right? exactly. No? <laughs> it's like a reality show over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but more importantly, I, you know, I, I see how cutthroat. New York is. Yes. And if you're just kind of that soft, you're in this new environment, you're struggling to pay bills. Right. I mean, I don't know. That's yeah. And if you're depressed on top of yes. all that. Were you homesick or? I was, um, I would say probably culture sick. Mm. Uh, like I came into New York I, I love the hustle and bustle of New York. I had visited once before, which I don't think is probably enough to yeah. be like, I'm just going to move there. Yeah. Obviously, I had like a wonderful vacation that my aunt yes. paid for everything. So I was like, New York is great. It's awesome. Um, uh, but I didn't expect as my expectations going to New York was it's a transplant city. So Everybody will understand where I'm coming from Mm. as far as I moved here to pursue a dream. Um, You hear that a lot. Uh, It's like there will be young people. My roommate is the same age as me. When I got there, it was a lot of people from the East Coast that already had friends from high school and college. And they were kind of like, these are my friends. I don't really care about becoming your friend mm. not in like a mean way but just kind of like if it's I hard did, enough yeah if I did that everything. for everybody it would be too much and then um I forgot that you know traveling into the city is kind of a grind so like all the friends that I did meet that commuted into work we wouldn't really hang out on the weekends because I get it. Like, you don't want to come in to take a 45-minute train when you don't have to. Um, And then I had some friends from California that I reconnected with, but it was a small group. So if they were busy, I was like, what what do I do with myself? Mm. And me and my roommate became good friends, but she had a lot going on, too. She's from the East Coast, too, and then was busy with work and trying to do everything with her friends yeah. too. So it was, it was just kind of like I wanted a stronger support system. And then it was the first time I was truly like on my own, no outside support from my family as far financially. Like yeah. obviously I could call my mom and talk to her, but I don't know. It's one of those things I think had I done little things differently, I might have enjoyed my experience more. I think like moving to more of a different borough where it felt more neighborhoodly, mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed. If I would have gotten a different job and moved on and grown my career, maybe I would have liked it. But I think 
New York is just most enjoyable when you're rich. So <laughs> I'll only move back if I can have an apartment on the park and be neighbors with fancy people. I'll counter that with you're either rich or you're dumb enough to not realize how bad it exactly. is for you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I want to ask, uh, personality-wise, because it's now like the second, maybe even more times that in the course of our conversation, you've said, if I had done this differently, or if I had done that differently. Is that your personality type? Do you think about, if I had done something different, where my, yeah. might my life be? Kind of. I, f- I feel like I have like a multiverse brain where I could have gone five different directions yeah. and been happy wherever those were. Yeah. But... I try not to think about it too much, but I do think, like, have I given certain things more chances? Yeah. Maybe it would have worked how I envisioned it, but I'm also like, meh, yeah. we're moving on. <laughs> yeah. So did did you go check out any comedy when you were in New York? Um, I'm trying to think if while I was there, I came back and visited and went to the cellar, and I lived like down the street from danger fields Hmm. but i don't local comedy more yes but again a lot of those things like you gotta pay 40 bucks and i was like i have five bucks just to walk in the door yeah whoa so okay very different from what we have here but one of, I played kickball, and one of the guys that I played kickball with was an aspiring comedian. So then that kind of, like, perked my interest. And I was like, oh, okay, there is people out here uh-huh. doing comedy and making a name for... I mean, yeah, he was making moves. Not yeah. very well known, but yeah. I was impressed with his routine. <laughs> but at this point for you, you weren't thinking about it no. yet. No. I, uh, SNL, I went to a few tapings of that. So that was like, that was my kind of, oh, wouldn't that be the dream if I got on SNL? But I don't know. Regular comedy didn't pop into my brain at that point. Okay. So the move to Austin happened which year? 2014. Okay. So you've been in Austin for a while. Okay. I'm... Oh, almost an OG for the Austin comedians, that is. Yeah. Not doing comedy that long, yeah. but yeah, when people are like, I've been here three weeks, I'm like, well. <laughs> so you're living your life here in Austin. You're loving the, the affordability, yes. the, you know, getting around easily, making new friends. Yeah. And what kind of uh, work are you doing? Um, I'm working at Retail Me Not, which is an online coupon company, and I'm still currently there. So, been there the whole time, pretty much. Look at you. Yeah, moved around. Um, but yeah, it's been a really fun company. They've had a big startup vibe when I first started. We've been bought, and it's changed a little bit, but yeah, yeah, it's been a good growth part of my career yeah yeah and when did you start thinking I'm, I'm gonna try my hand at stand-up yeah um I turned 30 
or I was about to turn 30 and was like, this is something I've enjoyed and I think it'd be fun to try. And so for my birthday, like a month out, I bought myself a stand-up comedy course um, with Valerie Knees. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, this, we'll see. We'll just give it a try. I think moving to Austin and meeting new people definitely, uh, like I had had very funny friends all growing up and we would joke around, but I never felt like I was the funniest person. We would all kind of feed off each other. And so then getting to Austin, I would just goof around with people and they're like, you're really funny. Have you ever thought about comedy? And I just kind of sloughed it off. But in the back of my head, I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. (laughs) Um, So yeah, then I was like, now or never, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not getting any younger, so might as well give it a go. And I was too scared to go just to an open mic and be like, here's all the thoughts I've ever had. What do you guys think? (laughs) They definitely needed some tailoring. So the class helped me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've met Valerie and, you know, I didn't realize until a few years ago that, you know, there are two Valerie's in the comedy universe. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. And it's, I, I am now so loving that you are my guest for my, my birthday weekend episode, because for your birthday, you went to yes. stand up class with Valerie, a Valerie. Exactly. <laughs> and now you're on a podcast for my birthday for, with a Valerie. That was my plan comedy. the whole time. I know. Good <laughs> job. Good job. No, uh, alternate universe exactly. scenario on that one exactly. so I assume because I've, I've heard others talk about when they go through a stand-up class their final project is to perform stand-up either in front of the class or at an actual yes. showcase so what was yours we had a showcase and it went really well so then I was like okay I didn't die uh-huh. people laughed and liked my jokes I think you get five minutes out of it which like as a starting out is a decent yeah. amount of time. So I was like, yeah, let's just keep rolling. Mm-hmm. So uh, then started the open mic scene and was going probably like once to twice a week. Wasn't really like going too crazy and then started meeting more people and then getting more involved mm-hmm. in it. So and then, of course, you know, the tried and true story of like I started getting shows and everything was building and rolling I had one year under my belt and Uh pandemic shut everything down and I was like no (laughs) nobody will ever know me ever again (laughs) I hadn't met you before the online shows and so I think Colton knew you and, and initially booked you and it's still like cemented in my memory you had the whatever the little child's the yeah the fortune teller yes (laughs) I still do that bit sometimes it's it's fun yeah it is fun it's is that uh typical of your comedy and like you try to do something not not with props but just a little bit different than what people would expect um I try to I do try to like surprise and think of a different uh angle than maybe the one you would initially think of uh Martha Kelly is a big 
uh, inspiration mm. of mine, and she's so good at that. And I'm like, oh, if only I could do it as well as yeah. she can. But yeah, something I want to get more like physical. I mean, that is physical in that, but yeah. I think that's something I would want to explore a little more. I just get nervous, of mm. course, with being so. Uh, I don't know why, but like it feels like another layer that the audience can see your true self when you're like acting out yeah. bits or being physical to, in my head. Yeah. Okay. So you brought up Martha Kelly and we were talking about something before I, rec- I hit record. So now I think is a perfect time to bring this, this topic up. Uh, your voice. Yes. Uh, you seem a little self-conscious about it when you know, we were talking about the mic placement and your mo- voice is very soft, a little squeaky. Yeah. And Martha Kelly's voice is so unique. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have watched her do stand-up, it's it's almost like she's afraid to talk into the microphone. Yeah. It's just a very timid. Her, you know, it's, it's not a Maria Bamford situation where mm-hmm. Maria is, like, very squeaky, loud. Uh, Martha Kelly's voice is just very, I'm, I'm afraid to talk. Mm-hmm. And yet... In the way that she talks is hilarious. Right. Um, so it's almost like the voice is one of those steps in being big on stage and, and incorporating mm-hmm. more more action on stage. So all of that preface to say, you know, one of the things that I don't know if I force it, but I almost always end up saying or or hitting on is you have to be comfortable with who you are mm-hmm. and then things start popping in your, in your comedy career. Yeah. And, you know, if you are comfortable with who Katie Felton is, then you're going to, you know, play into your voice, play into being right. big on stage. And yeah. do you ever think about that as kind of the progression of your performance? Yes, and also I'm sad I've been wasting so much money in therapy. I could have just come here for all of this. Yes. Um, yeah, I think, so my whole thing is, like, my jokes are pretty much 100% true. Obviously, the punchline, I'll, like, but everything is based off something that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, like, flourish a little bit, but it's come from like a real part of myself. Yeah. And so I think because I'm giving so much information to the audience, some of the other parts kind of uh I'm timid and pull back from a little bit, but I do think you're right as far as like once I let that all go and just really go for it, then I'll like unlock another level yeah. to my comedy. But I'm just at this point, like, it's hard because, like, I'm trying to write new jokes that are funny, that I like, that go with the bits that work already. Then mm-hmm. I'm trying to, like, change up how I'm telling them because I was telling you before, um, I started comedy doing very monotone, like, just kind of straightforward. Mm-hmm. I don't really laugh at myself on stage um, a voice so that way I was afraid I would get too nervous and excited and my voice would go up an octave so I was like if mm. I just am like monotone type yeah. of then the nerves 
I can kind of cut out a little bit. But now I'm really trying to get more loose on stage and kind of sell it, act it more. Um, Cause if you sell it to the audience, they'll buy in more than. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on now. It's, it's hit or miss as far as like, you just kind of get in your comfort zone. Yeah. So, but yes, I think you are correct. The more I am like, this is all of me, take it or leave it. The more they'll be into it, but. It is kind of, it's like an onion. You definitely mm-hmm. have to pull, peel away the layers and start saying like ID gaff. <laughs> I've never heard that as an out loud word. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're in those first few years of comedy, you end up you experiment with different approaches. And yeah. who knows, you may find yourself, nay, I kinda like that monotone approach. Mm-hmm. That's that actually feels comfortable. Yeah. And now that I've tried the wild and out voice, nay, I'm good with the monotone. I feel right. like, you know, it hits hits the way I like. Right. And control too. Yeah. If that's if that's your thing. Yeah. I think that's I just yeah, being in control is what I is a comfort, so I was raised an only child, so I think there's a lot of that to it, too, that I relate to. Okay. Is, you know, I like to control my environment a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think as only children, it's, I don't know, I I think that's that's something that we we grow up with. Definitely. And people cater to us. Yes. So (laughs) they're like, what can, how can we help you control? Well, now that you ask. And in the real world, people are just doing their own thing. Yeah. Why don't you care about me? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're kind of at the halfway point. There's a whole bunch more that I want to talk about. Uh, But I want to do our little intermission with the where should we begin card. Yes, let's do it. So you're going to pick a card and I'm going to read it to you and you're going to answer the question. Okay. I'm going to do this one. Oh, goodness, this deep thoughts here. A relationship I need to let go of. Again, where were you last week? <laughs> I'm so cheap, too, so. Uh, okay, I'm going to get really deep here, but I think letting go of just, like, old thoughts of myself, like where I thought I would be at this point in my life, like envisioning that Katie and I just need to let go of what that was and Mm -hmm. just live in the present and know that it'll all work out how I want it or how it's meant to work out. But also like, you know, I have control over it, but, uh, like back in my early years, I thought I would like be married, maybe start to have children, Mm -hmm be making so much money at my job at this point in my life and you know I'm a single lady I have a good life but I would still like to be making more money and that kind of stuff so I just need to break the relationship with the judgy Katie of myself and so that's what I want to get rid of or stop that relationship Mm -hmm. but yeah also learning relationships are ever-changing I think I have a hard part 
being like, no, it start our relation started off as this, so let's just keep that going. Yeah. But that's not realistic. Mm-mm. Not in this day and age, I don't think. I think people just, I mean, and I remember from my time in my 20s and 30s, I'd have like really, really deep friendships with people. Uh-huh. And now it's like, I, those people are gone from my life. Yeah. And, you know, they served a purpose at that time. Yeah. As really good friends. But now, okay, I have a different life. Exactly. And you just kind of have to roll with the punches at some point. Yeah, for sure. I had a kind of sad thought the other day because I was like, oh, I'm, I pretty much only listen to the music I listen to like in high school and college anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm becoming like a dad. Cause like, you know, dads <laughs> just listen to their heyday music. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's because they're not really making friends as much anymore in their old age. So they're not getting new music from outside influences. And I'm like, oh, I have dad music now. <laughs> but I think it is like a metaphor for life is you change. Yeah. Okay, your question is, a dream I've lost hope for. Oh, gosh. These are sad today. They are. It's our birthday episode. These are supposed to be happy and fun. Okay, how about a dream you've lost hope for, but a dream you have for the future, too? So we'll end on a high. Oh, okay. Uh, A dream I've lost hope for? Oh, gosh. Uh, that's really hard to answer because I feel so grateful for like where I'm at in my job and mm-hmm. um, with my family situation. It's not it's not traditional by any stretch. I mm-hmm. live with my mom. <laughs> I live with my teenage son, who's you know soon going to be off to college. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, I've got <laughs> I've got a boyfriend in California. It's just a weird life. Uh, and I'm okay. I, I think I've I've just embraced that. So, mm-hmm. uh, interestingly, when I grew up, I did not have that tra- traditional you know, future. I'm going to be married. I'm going to have kids. I'm like, I never wanted kids. Sorry, yeah. sorry, son. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I rolled with the punches, and it's like, oh, I met I met his dad. We fell in love. Got married. Had the kid. Mm-hmm. Divorced. <laughs> um, so you know, I feel like, all right. Well, I've gone through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've gone through the paces now. Yeah. Um, so uh, did I have, have I had dreams of being like disgustingly rich? Yes, by all means. <laughs> I watched Cribs. I still watch Million Dollar Listing. Yeah. I watch all these fancy house shows, yeah. Bling Empire. I watch it all and I'm like, man, that would be really cool. But then all the drama that these yeah. people go through, I'm like, all right, that part just doesn't change. Right. <laughs> so I think probably the dream I've lost hope for is being like disgustingly rich. Um, the dream I can hope for, it's so funny because I, uh, I've got a, I've got a great career. But this hobby of mine that I started six years ago with mm-hmm. Comedy Wham is like. Every year, I feel like it takes on mm-hmm. a life of its own, and yeah. I think about, man, what if I retired from my real job and Ooh. threw all my eggs into 
growing comedy wham yeah but i don't know what that would look like because i've never thought about what is comedy wham going to look like in right. a year or two years okay. i just hope it's cool and different because every year right it's been cool and different yeah so i like i'm super excited that this year the austin chronicle asked me to write like a handful of articles yeah. and it's like i used to read the austin chronicle when i was a student at ut yeah and now I'm in it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so I, I think about, wow, maybe I have a future as a writer. Maybe that would be a really cool thing. Ooh, yeah. To do. And, um, yeah. And I, I do still, I, I stopped. I had been doing comedy. I decided to do comedy about three years before the pandemic hit. Uh-huh. And because of logistics with parenting when the pandemic hit I just couldn't get out anymore right you know even when things started reopening and life became way too difficult for me to be able to stay up at night because mm-hmm. um, my son would have swim practice at six in the morning and it's oh like I can't goodness. be up at one o'clock because I know that those open mics right they're gonna see oh you're a newbie we're putting you on last mm-hmm. I can't stay up till one thirty. <laughs> So I do have hopes that I can get back to performing comedy because I did enjoy that part of yeah. my life because I, you know, I had fun yeah. those few years that I was doing it. Exactly. So two-part dream, I guess. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Also, I'll teach you how to bump yourself on some of my <laughs> Well, and that was funny because as, you know, a lot of people that I would go to their mics, you know, they not to be on an ego trip but people generally know who I am <laughs> that's awesome yes and while that's no great trips. I also know my place in the comedy universe and I never wanted to be that person that's right. like I'm comedy wham I need to go up first <laughs> I'm just like I'm I want to go through this experience the way everybody yeah. else has had to go through this experience I I appreciate your humbleness <laughs> I think that's the way to do it. But also sometimes I would be like, uh, I am comedy wham and I have places to go. So. Yeah. Maybe on my second tour when I get yeah. back to it. When my son is off to college or when my son uh, gets his driver's license, I oh. keep telling myself I'm going to go back to it. He's a traditional Gen Zer where he likes Puts to be all. driven. Yes. Oh, my God. I think that's so interesting because... <laughs> Yeah, as a millennial, I was like, I cannot get my driver's license fast enough. Uh-huh. Uh, I was driving all my friends around, even though you weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, I loved the independence. I had older friends in high school that then graduated. So I was driven for a while, but then once <laughs> they were up. out, I was like, oh no. Yeah. Well, and parenting has changed so much because now my son is off to a swim meet in Houston, but there's an app where I could see exactly mm-hmm. where he's at yeah. and I can watch him moving from, you know, the swim, swimming pool to the hotel to on the way home. And yeah. it's like, you know, it, when certainly when I was growing up, I don't know about when you were growing up, but you know, you could track. So I knew. Yeah. And that. You know, it's kind of, it's a little disturbing. It's a little big brothery dis- disturbing, <laughs> but also it gives me peace of mind right. that once he is driving, you know, mm-hmm. while I'm waiting to be 45th on a <laughs> 50 slot open mic night yes. that I can see, oh yeah, he's still at home. He hasn't, 
Yeah. <laughs> Climbed out the back window to go. <laughs> I do think, yeah, I don't, I don't interact with a ton of young people, so I don't know how they feel about it, but I grew up where there was like no technology and then it progressed so fast. Yeah. Where, you know, we got internet and then all of a sudden you had MySpace and AIM and you could talk to strangers and my parents like, I mean, again, I was a good kid, so like I wasn't doing anything too crazy, but they didn't, they were like, oh, you're talking to your friends? Cool. They weren't like asking questions. I'm yeah. like, are you in chat rooms talking to strange men? Are you telling them where you live? <laughs> your age? No, yeah. Nothing too much. But yeah. yeah, it would be, it's nice to, I think as a parent, it's nice to have that peace of mind. But yeah, I don't know if kids get more creative with how they get away with things or they're just like upfront now and like, yeah. I'm going to drink alcohol at this person's house or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, I would have known anyway. So glad you told me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I think the transparent approach is definitely the one that I've adopted Mm -hmm. with, with my son. He, I can ask him to tell me stuff and I, I have good faith that he's telling me the truth. Plus he's just too stinking busy to do, to get in trouble. Yeah. Which is a, that's a definite parenting trick is Mm -hmm. keep them so busy. They do not have time or they're too exhausted to get into trouble. That was my parents' strategy. (laughs) Yeah. It worked. worked. (laughs) All right. Let's get back to some of the stuff that I want to find out about. And that is that you were performing comedy for about three years. Yeah. Before the pandemic. No, a year. A year. Okay. It's been like three and a half, almost four years total. My okay. four-year anniversary is in April. Okay, and then you did the pandemic. You were one of the, you were one of those comics that was open to doing online mm-hmm. shows, and I love that you did ours. Yes, thanks for having. Yeah, and then things started opening up. So you're you're very similar to Holly Hart, who I had on a few months ago because I think she felt like she was just hitting her stride Mm -hmm. and things were about to start opening up as far as getting booked on more and more showcases and then the pandemic hit yeah and she also did our online shows Mm -hmm. and was you know very fun and creative yeah with them and then you know you both come back to this new landscape yeah uh it was fun in that I I it was different as far as I kind of expected it to be the same but then Rogan's moving here and talking about how awesome Austin is so then you have all these new people moving that happened like right as things were opening up and it was crazy to see the scene change like in front of my eyes because I had seen what the old scene was like and then to see this whole blossoming and chatter about Austin comedy and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff was I really enjoyed it um because I love all the older Austin people that started before but it did feel slightly clickish which I understand you know um but I think having this new wave of comedians constantly coming has definitely made a more open kind of 
exchange of ideas and it doesn't feel like you know you're either part of one group or another group and that's mm-hmm. kind of who you stick with and what shows you get on it's more diverse and more opportunities yeah this is solely based on watching your your social media posts but you seemed like you got in with the you know the the Vulcan gas crowd the creek in the cave crowd and you seemed pretty comfortable like or you were getting booked on a lot of those shows which some people are like I don't know you know I kind of like the old scene yeah you seem to integrate yourself into the new new look of the Austin comedy scene yeah I don't think I ever uh I was working my way into something before so I was definitely kind of one of almost like starting fresh as like somebody that moved here so and it's interesting I feel like I don't some people I feel like really have a home club and I still don't think I really have Mm -hmm. a home club like I'm like wherever you (laughs) whoever (laughs) wants to book me or put me on a show I Uh, have no allegiance anywhere um, but I think we, you like, you also need that in the, in a scene in general is like, you know, some swing, some swing comedians or whatever. Yeah. That, you know, your audience isn't oversaturated by seeing them regularly and yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And now I, I get to see you at the front of the mm-hmm. Cap City, which is Hands down to me, one of the smartest moves that you can make in a comedy career is working at a club because, you know, once all the tickets are collected and Mm -hmm. you can just sneak in and watch, you know, amazing comics come through. That has been the funnest part. I think originally I went in being like, I'll get to know the people and then they'll book me. And that has happened some, but I think the part that I thought would be like a fun extra bonus has been better, which is, yeah, getting to see, you know, true professionals work on their craft and Mm -hmm. seeing people that you've loved just starting out with a new material and kind of seeing that process or people you've never heard of. And you're like, okay, they are very polished. I am becoming a fan or people you wouldn't normally think you would like kind of see what their whole thing Mm -hmm. is about so it's been a good uh master class almost yeah especially when I can get to watch I feel like I probably don't take advantage as much as I should but it is very nice too yeah who have you been most surprised at that you've seen and and why? I mean, you, yeah. if you can't even remember the name, you, that's fine. But, like, what was it about somebody that you saw that you were like, oh, wow, that's really an interesting approach to comedy? Yeah. Or I think the one I was most surprised with was Randy Feltface. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not familiar, he's like a purple puppet. And I thought it would be really hokey or maybe like a triumph, mm-hmm. the insult comic dog where like he was using the puppet to get away with things that maybe he couldn't yeah 
but it was just very smart, funny comedy mm. where I was like, okay, a human could do this. But I think the mannerisms and like being over the top work better on a puppet. Huh. But yeah, his whole setup was really cool. Like he comes with his own little desk and huh. it's great. It was really cool. I, I hadn't, I was not expecting what happened. Yeah. And then Craig Robinson surprised me because he was way more musical than I expected. Like, Mm -hmm. he probably knows, like, I don't know, 500 songs or something. Like, I truly don't think he has a set list of what he's going to play. He just kind (laughs) of goes off the dome and, you know, he was getting a little bit intoxicated. So the fact that he could remember all the notes and songs while in that state, I was like, okay, like this is impressive. (laughs) So yeah, it's just been interesting. Can I just tell you how much I love that those are the two that you picked? A, because how far of a stretch is it to go from puppet to the fortune teller? Mm -hmm. And the musicality of Craig Robinson with Lipstick Battle. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. Connections. That's, <laughs> that's the name of my game is yes. making these weird connections. I love it. I wish <laughs> if there was a ooh, ah button. <laughs> we can just invent one. Ooh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> so at what point did this idea for your show actually start to take shape? Ooh, um, probably, well, so it's almost been a year. We started in January, and I probably had the idea like six months out where I just hadn't really seen, I had, so I'm in full transparency. I I got inspired by the goddamn comedy jam. Yes. Um, been to Moon Tower a bunch, and that was always my favorite event. Mm-hmm. Uh, and would go like every night to see all the new different comics, and thought and saw how much the crowd enjoyed it and got involved. And again, like kind of showcased the different parts of the comedian that you don't see all yeah. the time. So I was like, I want to do something similar um I am not a singer at all so I was like I don't think singing will be it (laughs) um but there wasn't really any I mean I feel like there's fallout shows which are a little bit off not just stand up and kind of different um experiences but most of the other comedy shows are straight comedy Mm -hmm. so uh I decided lip syncing would be my talent uh-huh. of the thing. And cause I love, you know, J- uh, Jimmy Fallon doing his lip syncs. And then they had that whole show with Christy Teigen as the little host lady. It was uh-huh. so fun, but yeah. And I'm a huge Halloween dresser upper. I love to think of like a really weird, costume idea so I was like okay I can incorporate costume because in the lip sync battle show they dress up and everything and really go all out and I'm like yeah that's what I want to do yeah so yeah it was about six months of trying to shop it around and then Martin Hen and Andre Ricks had a show at last stand and I was talking to them about you know, getting shows started and how they do it. 
and Martin was like, oh yeah, they want to, Last Stand wants to add another show. Our comedy has been doing well, so they want to try something on Fridays. And since your show is a different concept, I'm sure they'd be into it. Uh So thank you, Martin, for the tip. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So the performers, because I'm... I regretfully, I'm so sorry, Katie. I've not been to, <laughs> okay. you know, swim practice even on Saturdays <laughs> is at six in the morning. Yes. So, uh, or there's a swim meet or it's just, I'm sorry. Um, performers do their stand up, mm-hmm. and then there's a competition element and then you do the yes. lipstick battle, battle against you. Yes, correct. Okay. So, um, I usually book five to seven comedians Uh, They each do 10 minutes of comedy. Then at the end, I bring them all up on stage and the audience votes on who they thought had the best set of the night and they want to see battle me in a lip sync battle. So then I start um, and it's instead of like RuPaul's Drag Race where they do the same song, it's pick your own song. And I start and do something funky and weird. And then they... Uh, get to do their song after and the people who prepare do amazing it's always so much better than mine and I'm like (laughs) this is my show but um and then it's funny because I don't know people don't or are too busy or don't expect to win and then they're like ah so that's fun too but it's been really fun it's been a great way to yeah, see different talents and things, and it's it's just, I have so much joy from it, and I think the audience really likes it, too, because it's not expected. Yeah. Well, a Friday night show is, like, a big deal mm-hmm. at a venue. I mean, that's, that's usually a date night yeah. for people, and week's over, let's go mm-hmm. have some fun, and my God, it's, it's a great-sounding show. Yeah, it's I, been fun. I love that you're inspired by Goddamn Comedy Jam because to me that is like the cream of the crop when it comes to a musical comedy show. Yes. And it's the the lore of that show. It's so funny. They tried to make it a TV show and it just does not work. You have mm-hmm. to be in that audience to feel, you know, yeah. <laughs> to feel Josh yelling at you to, <laughs> to participate <laughs> and move to the front and yeah. do the crowd surfing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's such a high energy experience. Yes. Uh, I full full transparency on my end. I have seen so many goddamn comedy jams now because I started watching it in I think maybe five years ago at Moon mm-hmm. Tower, and same deal. I'd go every single night, but <laughs> it's always the last show of the Correct. night, and I have reached that age where I also see some of the repeat people, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I know what song they're gonna do. Yeah. So I'm only gonna go to one. Yes. per moon tower now because i can't do it anymore i know that is the bummer of, yeah it's always at the end of the night and you're like okay this is fun but let's wrap it up yeah <laughs> exactly please don't start late i can't <laughs> uh I, there was some other thing that i wanted to talk to you about uh that that was related to the, the show okay so uh who has beat you in the in the lip sync battle so we don't officially do a count oh. after because I don't think my ego could handle that. But I know people that for sure have beaten me. Rochelle 
has mm. beaten me. She yeah. did a very amazing um, somebody that I used to know. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then I was out of town, and we had a all winners, all lip sync, and she was the host because I was like, obviously, you are the master of yeah. this. Um, Mary Catherine Bryant did a, a wonderful uh, Michael Jackson, the Free Willy song. She knew all the words. Oh, my gosh. Carter Anderson did a great lip sync. Jordan McDonald, he can show emotion. <laughs> he did um, I'm Gonna Love You, right? From Dreamgirls. And you, and you, and you, y'all gonna love me. <laughs> so good. Um, I'm trying to think of other people. Xavier, sorry, I can't remember his last name. He's an L.A. comic, but he was in musical theater and did Newsies. Oh, my and gosh. stood on, like, benches, and it was great. Huh. So there's been some that have yeah. blown my socks off. And you're about to celebrate one year. Yes. The show. Are you going to do a all-out, get-out anniversary show Ooh, that's a good question i don't know so i'm trying to look for a co-host right now and i have some feelers out on that so that's my number one for the new year yeah let's make it a little easier on me Hmm. um but i don't know we should i want to do so we did a winner's i call it winner's circle um i think well, so it first started out as just once a month, so I wasn't doing as many shows, and then we moved to twice a month. So probably like 10 shows in or something, we did a winner's circle of all the winners that I could round up from previous mm-hmm. shows, and it seemed to go well. So we might just do like another winner's circle in the beginning of the year, but maybe we can also make that a big anniversary something or i might just like bring candy and pass it out to the (laughs) audience and be like you guys look at what you get because you were here when we did a one-year show (laughs) so so why do you why are you looking for a co-host is it just it's too much or you have some other things in mind that you want to take on um Yeah, I think it would just be fun to get a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been able to do my vision, but I think getting somebody else in there to see what they can bring to the table would be a lot of fun. I think just having the flexibility to possibly do other shows is nice um, for both of us. Yeah. And then just a different chance to get somebody that has maybe different connections of comedians and that kind of thing yeah so and then there's like things I specialize in and things I am not very good at so I'm hoping you know they all have the strengths for things that I don't really like or care about that much like marketing and social media even though I started my career in marketing I'm like meh (laughs) But some people are so good at it, and I yeah. think it helps a lot. So I'm like, if I can get somebody that is that is their strength or yeah. they enjoy doing that, I'm super down for that. Yeah. I, I've been doing this thing now on our Instagram page where if, if I see that there's a show that's on our events page for that day, 
you know, if somebody hasn't already tagged me, mm-hmm. I'll just go find, you know, like in your case, I'll, I'll find, I'll, I'll go find your account and I'll see if I can see a post. <laughs> 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 and so for the last lipstick battle, I wanted to, you know, promote it. And like, she hasn't posted about the night show. I do lots of stories, but now that I know that, I will post more. Uh-huh. A trick. Yeah, I mean, it, you've already got the flyer. Yeah. So this is a tip for anyone. If you've already got the flyer, just do a quick lazy, I mean, even a lazy post. Yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, oh, I, I think I remember what the other thing was. Uh, one of the reasons that I talked in, in the introduction about following you on Instagram is, Exactly for this year's Halloween contest. That was so creepy good. Thank you. (laughs) And I don't know that I want to spoil it. I think I want to just make sure people go to your Instagram account and find that that costume. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. I mean, it's it's simple, and yet it feels like it would be challenging to find just the right costume elements to make that happen. Yeah. I thought it would suck me in a little more. Not at all. So, arrows, uh, some spanks under there. And I thought I would feel covered because I was fully covered. Did not feel that way at all. Felt very exposed. But it was fun. It was worth it for the giggles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I have seen people do when they have a unique show idea is shop it around at festivals you know that's Mm -hmm. kind of how the goddamn comedy jam got to to where it is is it shopped their their concept Mm -hmm. and now they just they get picked up at so many festivals yeah do you foresee something like Um, that since yours is so unique i would love that yeah that's something i want to get more involved in festivals myself but definitely yeah get the show involved and stuff like that because I do think it'd be fun especially if people know in advance and can really like prepare for Mm -hmm. it and yeah it's it's fun yeah yeah so highly recommend that you you know the triple triple the double threat of okay Katie's submitting for herself for her stand-up and Mm -hmm. then also hey I've got the show idea I'm submitting for the show and yeah. yeah, I would love that. Even like uh last stand has been great, but I'm even open to like moving the show to different mm-hmm. venues and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, we'll see. Yeah. I hope it expands and yeah, becomes a more well-known show. Yeah. Yeah. I commit. I will come to Yes. <laughs> the good news is it does end at 10 o'clock. So the venue closes at 10. We have to be out Oh, okay. All right. Well, that helps. Yes. That helps to know that. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Any other therapy you want to get? Any uh, (laughs) (laughs) show ambitions, comedy ambitions, your dreams, your hopes? Ooh. Um, I mean... I would love to be booked more. So if you think I'm funny, please reach out to me. Um, no. Do you I do don't. TikTok? Uh, 
yes and no. I just do the trendy TikTok dances or okay. if I have think of weird video concepts, but not like skits or anything yeah. like that. Were you doing TikTok a lot more at a point in the mm-hmm. past? I was. Uh, my following is not very big, mm. so... And I don't think... That's not my skill set, huh. but I would love it to be, maybe. But again, I just like the dances, so I don't... There's so much goes into filming, editing mm. a clip for the maximum of three minutes that I'm like, oh, I give all uh. the TikTok people so much props. Yeah. That is just... I don't have the time right now, but I do think it's a very cool avenue to get yeah. a following. And uh, I give, yeah, it's a lot of dedication. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I do want to start a TikTok podcast. I think that would be huh. fun. It'd be like a three minute podcast. <laughs> Well, what would you do? Interview local comedians for three minutes. Oh, oh okay. Getting in on my yeah, game. Exactly. All right. Well, and this ends. <laughs> <laughs> my other thought was to uh, do that, but then teach them a TikTok dance at Ooh. the end. But I don't think we could do that in three mm. minutes. But that's maybe just a different. I mean, everybody's in the podcast game, though, too. So then I'm like, do I want to do that? I don't know. (laughs) So many ideas swirling. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Meet more famous comedians. I think I need to take advantage of my Cap City and actually, like, say hello instead of being scared (laughs) of uh, famous comedians. But... Famous comedians started just like you. Remember that. Yeah, that's the part I forget about. Yeah. Also, they're not going to remember you unless you do something atrocious. Right. And you're probably not going to do anything atrocious. That's so. true. You're right. I know. I think getting working through my fears this next year and actually pulling the trigger on things Yeah. is, mo- is what... I want to work on for year four in the comedy scene, but yeah, I don't know. Not really any thing crazy for Austin comedy. I hope we start getting more like feature acts here instead of, you know, people were moving to LA or New York. And I still think that's a little bit more of what's happening, but I think we're getting to a point where we have good feature talent. So just getting their names out in the zeitgeist yeah. more um, and having more people level up like a corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's where, what's my hope for Austin comedy. So yeah, it's coming, it's going, it's working already. Yeah. But yeah. Let go of those fears. I know. <laughs> And then, yeah, the ultimate dream is full comedy pays for my lifestyle. Yeah. But we have some time to go before we get there. <laughs> but yeah. I hope you, Comedy Wham, if you ever explore retiring from your job, 
I'm here to support because you've been such a support to Austin Comedy. So, yeah, (laughs) let me know if you need anything from me. I have an extra bedroom, so if you need to crash. (laughs) (laughs) Uh when moon tower comes around i may be hitting you up because this commute <laughs> is killer yeah <laughs> when you've gone to the last goddamn comedy yes. jam of the night and <laughs> you have to be back because you scheduled five interviews <laughs> in oh the daytime and yeah yeah it's an exhausting festival but i think this year i don't know if you've seen their announcements i think this year is going to be more manageable yeah than what they did earlier this year or i guess 2023 schedule is going to be more manageable than what they tried to pull off in 2022 yes i felt there were so many things i wanted to see in the same time slot Mm -hmm. but i mean that's every festival yeah yeah there's always fomo but -hmm. at least this way it's not two weekends of club shows if you if you're interested in moon tower so what they're doing this year is just one dedicated weekend to all of the club shows, but for the whole like two plus week period, it's going to be all like headliner shows. Mm-hmm. So if you're not into, you know, booking all those Paramount tickets, then you know yeah. you can still just focus on the one weekend of club shows. Yeah, I might do that. I don't know. I haven't decided. I do love all the club shows because mm-hmm. then you get to see the headliners to drop in yeah. exactly and that's i don't know i i think that's much more magical to mm-hmm. see them drop into a small venue mm-hmm. and you know do what they do or just play yeah and i think that's so much more fun than yeah. whatever you get to see from hundreds of feet away <laughs> exactly yeah and this was the first year where like i had friends that were on so i was like oh this is fun <laughs> Because it's always been, you know, like, learning about people or, like, people Mm -hmm. you already know and follow. And so just having, you know, friends uh, was, like, a new fun element where you're like, Hercules, go. You can do it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, Katie, I think that's, that's just about it. But, you know... I have my closing question. Okay. It's one word to describe your future. Ooh. Limitless. Nice. I'm manifesting that. <laughs> I believe it will happen. Woohoo! Yay! Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents Katie Felton. Katie, tell us where we can find you on social media and projects that you want to promote. Yes, you can find me on social media at K, the number 8, E, Felts. Um, That's my personal Instagram. You can follow Lipstick Battle at Lipstick Battle on Instagram. And that's S-C, no wait. S-H-T-I-C-K. Shtick. Um, where else? You can come to Lipstick Battles the second and fourth Friday of the month at Last Stand Brewing. Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't have a website or anything right now. So, And then uh, if you... My TikTok is the same as my Instagram. So if you want to see me try to do weird dances on TikTok... <laughs> Go over there. 
Yeah. That's it. All and right. come out to the open mics. You'll see me around. <laughs> Very good. Well, you hope, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Katie got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. <laughs> this has been Comedy Wham Presents Katie Felton. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Katie. Thank you.